0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Good morning, everyone. Just give me just a second to get my technology set up. If you can see the image of Mother's Day, my husband drew that for us this week. So I hope you're doing well. In North Carolina, the stores opened up on Friday. And so I was there. I was there at New River Pottery with about every woman in Wilmington who was really, really happy. And they had huge carts of stuff. So I went and bought my own Mother's Day gift. So that was really fun to be able to shop with my mask on. So I enjoyed that. We're surviving the pandemic. It's been been hard, but it's been good. And I've really been thinking about things that I don't want to forget when things go back to normal. I'm not ready to go back to the hustle and bustle of how life used to be. So I've been pondering and meditating on on what I want to remain the same in my life. So I just encourage you to think about that as well. So let's talk about Mother's Day. It's a day that we celebrate family. We celebrate the mother of the family. We celebrate motherhood in general. I'm still trying to make this go. Okay, never mind. We send cards to our mothers. My mother's getting a gift in the mail this week because I can't see her face to face. She lives in a retirement community, and I couldn't get through the gate if I wanted to. But we send gifts to mothers. Husbands honor their wives. I had three text messages from my daughter, my niece, and a spiritual daughter before 6.30 this morning. So I felt very honored. So here's a PSA for all of the young people that enjoy texting instead of calling. Call your mother. Call your mother today. Your mother wants to hear your voice. No matter how old she is, how much you don't like calling on the phone, call your mother. I know there are mothers who who have been worrying, will I hear from my child on Mother's Day? Call your mother, that's free. So when Pastor Tom asked me back in February to preach a Mother's Day sermon, if you'll go to the next slide, Jim. I felt pressure because when you preach about Mother's Day, a lot of people talk about this Proverbs 31 woman, the perfect Proverbs 31 woman. And I don't want to stand here and pretend like I am that woman. I don't want to present myself as that. Now, my my clothes match, and I took a shower, and my hair looks okay, even though I need to get some new highlights. But I don't want to stand here and present myself as perfect, because I'm not. My children could stand here with me and testify. I have had just as many failures as another mother. This Proverbs 31 woman, I was talking with a friend this week and shared this message for her. And she said her pastor asked her to preach once on Mother's Day. She's a female. And he gave her the topic. I want you to preach on the Proverbs 31 woman. That's what he said. And this woman, I'll tell you, you know, I love the Word of God, but I joke that I don't like that woman. I do not like the Proverbs 31 woman because she is a standard that I will never attain I hate to cook and I can't sew. So, you know, just count me out. I mean, I, we, we bought $30 worth of cheeseburgers from cookout this week and we have enjoyed eating them. <laughs> we had pizza Friday night because I don't like to cook, so. I'm not ever going to meet that standard. Now, I can shop. It says she considered a field and bought it. I can shop. I'm looking to refinance my mortgage right now. I've got my eye on the rates. I'll call my husband up and say, honey, we're refinancing. So I can do that. But the cooking and the cleaning. You know, she excelled in areas of faith, marriage, mothering, health, service, stewardship. She was industrious. She rose before dawn. I slept in an extra hour this morning, homemaking. And so as women and mothers, we see this unattainable standard to us. And honestly, this is in a part of the Bible that's called wisdom literature. And I'm still figuring this out, but I've read that some wisdom literature, you just can't take verse for verse. It's in a different genre. This woman was a standard. We had the mother of King Lemuel saying, my son, when you search for a wife, this is the kind of woman you should look for. Like she needs an MBA. She needs to drive a good car. She better keep her house clean. She needs to look nice. She needs to shower every day and make her bed. And so this was the standard given for what a perfect wife should be. And honestly, I think she's a myth because we look at our own lives as women and mothers and we see the dirty dishes in the sink and we see the laundry piling up and um, it's just hard. So in terms of the Proverbs 31 woman, For me, I just try to surrender my life to God daily and focus on what I do well, which is gardening and speaking and shopping and live in God's grace for where I fail, which is often getting angry and wanting to manipulate my children so they'll do what I want them to do. We have strengths and weaknesses. So we need to surrender our lives. Pastor Tom talked last week about how we can have a vision of what we think our life should look like, what we want it to look like, but it might be out of sync with what is really happening. I remember when my children were teenagers, I wanted to be this, you know, strong mom who could, power through driver's ed, and y'all, I couldn't get in the car with my son. (laughs) A friend of mine would pick him up from my house and let him drive her car to youth group on Wednesday nights, 30 minutes across town. She did that for me. She taught him to cook because I knew I would get frustrated. We all have gifts. We all have weaknesses. Sometimes what we think motherhood should be, what it should look like is out of sync with what it looks like in our lives i know in those years i struggled with horrible migraines and i would come home from errands and my children would put me in the bed like i'd hold up my fingers and say i need three things and then i would struggle to get the words out i need my phone i need some water i need so you know a snack motherhood's a challenge it's a challenge because we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We live now in a fallen world where there is sin, where there's our flesh, our anger, our selfishness, where there's the devil trying to tempt us. I've been struggling this week with some words I want to say to a child, and they're not helpful. <laughs> you know, uh, and my daughter called me this week and told told me something that happened, and I said, "Well, didn't I tell you so and so?" I just couldn't help myself. You know, when children say, this happened, we'll say, well, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? I shouldn't have said it. There's discouragement, disappointment, and loss. So I brought a prop with me. I brought a few props. Go ahead and grab a few. This is Pearl. And Pearl has been my baby doll since I was very young. And I remember, you can't see it anymore, but I remember writing her bus number on her forehead so she wouldn't forget which bus to get on at school. And you can see she's had some haircuts, just like I've been cutting my hair during the pandemic. Someone trimmed her bangs, that was me. And when, you're, when little girls are children, we have this natural desire to mother. My daughter, she was um, mothering her brother from the very beginning, a strong desire to mother. And with Pearl, I had a crib for her. I had a wooden high chair, had a rocking chair, had all kinds of things for Pearl. And we played house because little girls, they want to grow up and be mommies. It's, it's what God made them to do. Genesis 1, says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So little girls have dreams. I dreamt of graduating from college, getting married, getting a job, getting a house and having a child. And for me, thankfully, it worked that way. But sometimes our dreams are out of sync With our reality. Jim, can you put up this slide of my family? There we go. So I became a mother. Gosh, I'm going to have to do the math now. I think I was 25 years old. I was a young mother. In my journey of motherhood, I ended up being a stay-at-home mom, which was hard, but I really enjoyed it. And because of the learning challenges with my son, his skills were all over the place. I ended up homeschooling him. And I was what I called a captive homeschooler, was not really something I wanted to do. And we um, had a schoolroom and I would count the doors. When I would lose my patience and run downstairs, I would shut the schoolroom door, the bedroom door, the bathroom door, the walk-in closet door, and I would put my face on the forehead and say, God, let these children live until Brian gets home. I had to have four doors between us, four doors. And there's a story, um, I told my daughter, I was bringing a color that looks like cherries in the snow. It's made by Revlon. And when my daughter was about, Six years old, we had just moved into a brand new house that we had built, beautiful creamy white Berber carpet, and she spilled cherries in the snow in her bedroom. I lost it, because I'm a little OCD, my my personality is all the white carpet should be white, like all the white carpet should be together, there shouldn't be big four inch red stains and I lost it. And and we joke, I will pay for that therapy session for her. I've got that one covered. There are others I've said I'm going to pay for, but that was truly my fault. My children will also tell you that I have thrown things at them. There was one time where I threw an orange at them. I got so angry. So my journey of motherhood is, is not perfect. You know, my kids were very compliant, thank God, which meant on the scale from compliant to rebellious, they were on the compliant end. But they had a mother who was controlling and who was a perfectionist and it set really high standards. And so sometimes my vision was out of sync with my reality. So that is why I don't want to present myself as the perfect Proverbs 31 woman because I've had as many mommy failures as the next So in my message today on Mother's Day, I want to honor mothers and motherhood, but what God showed me to do was to acknowledge that there are women today on Mother's Day who are struggling, that it's not a day of celebration for you, it's a day of sadness, it's a day of grief, it's a day where you feel lost more acutely because of what is celebrated I had a very easy message I could have come in and shared. I wrote a blog post a few years ago called, In Spite of Me, My Children Turned Out Well. And it was a message of how God's grace meets mommies in their weaknesses. That would have been really easy for me to share. But God put on my heart, I had a friend tell me, this was what provoked this message, she said. I invited her to come and hear me preach, and she said, I can't come. She said, I'm I'm making a plan of how to make it through the day because I don't have a mother, and I'm not a mother. It's a hard day for her. And so I want to speak to the mothers and the fathers who are out there. I know there are men out there too who have experienced loss, whose vision of their family and what their wives would be like, their relationships with their own mothers, does not look like reality. And so I wanna speak to these people today. I know you're out there, and I wanna say, first of all, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) I see you, and I know you're there, and I know you're hurting, and I know you're grieving, and I care about you, and I hear you, because God sees you. God wants to comfort you today. God wants you to know today, just like he spoke to Hagar, I see you, God sees you. The woman, maybe the mother, the daughter, the man, the son who's struggling, the father who's struggling today. And I'm not gonna offer any um, platitudes. I'm probably not gonna pull out Romans eight twenty eight. I know the word of God is true, but so often when people are hurting, we just offer them a verse and think that's going to fix everything. Our vision is out of sync with our reality. And so I'm just going to speak the truth. What I did was I reached out to about 10 women and said, what is your experience in light of this situation in your life? What is your experience today? And I'm going to tell you what they said. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it because as we think about these things and broaden our minds and we think about the different people around us, it creates empathy and understanding in our hearts. How do I know these things? Because I've been listening to these women. I've been having coffee with them. I've been texting them. I've been seeing their Facebook posts. I know how they're hurting and I am them. I have my own story of how my vision of motherhood is out of sync with with what it's really like so let's talk about single mothers first and I thought of biblical examples we know from 1 Kings 17 that Elijah met a widow at Zarephath this this widow was a single mother There was a famine and Elijah asked her for bread and she only had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil in her jar. And 1 Kings 17, um, starting with verse 13, it says, Elijah said to her, do not fear, go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me and afterwards you can make one for yourself and your son. And then verse 15, it says, "'So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, "'and she and he and her household ate for many days. "'The bowl of flour was not exhausted, "'nor did the jar of oil become empty.'" So what this verse shows me is God cares for single mothers. Now, it seems in our society, we have different um, types of single mothers. We have the widow, like at Zarephath, an honorable single mother, a woman whose husband has died. But what about the unwed mothers who are single mothers? What about the divorced mothers who are single mothers? Do we put them in different categories and not serve them because of the way they became a single mother? Let me tell you the story of a single mother. And this is anonymous. She said, some days I feel like I'm being chopped in half, pulled in one direction to work, to support my family, pulled in another direction to meet the needs of my children. Being a single mother is hard. It is hard and I'm tired. The needs of my children, physical, spiritual, social, emotional, plus all the day-to-day decisions, they all belong to her. She says, they're mine. And she herself, she's in the heart of middle age. And I can tell you with hot flashes and emotions and perimenopause, that's hard. And she's thinking about caring for her parents. She's working. She's in the middle of a divorce. She says, divorce is trauma for my children and me. And many people think, well, of course it's hard. You shouldn't have made those bad decisions. And she said she used to think that way. Also, she used to think pridefully she could prevent divorce or if she couldn't prevent it, she could fix it. But she was wrong. And she says, there are many things in life I can't fix. Believe me, this was not my plan. And in this situation, her husband left her. She said, the experience has humbled me and in the process made me a better mother and a more compassionate person. I'm far less black and white than I used to be but there's still a shame and failure and sadness that comes with divorce. I feel it, and I think my kids feel it too. It's an area where the church falls short so many times. The body doesn't serve those who are orphans and widows when it looks like they were made so because of their own choices. I think when God looks down at single mothers, he doesn't have compassion just on the widow. I think he has compassion on the unwed mother, the compassion on the woman whose husband left her, or she may have left her husband. I think that as a church, we need to remember all of these single mothers and meet their needs. I don't know how to fix that problem, but we need to be aware not to put women, single mothers in categories because of how they became single mothers. It's hard whether you were divorced or widowed. Either way, it's hard. And James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. They may have become orphans from divorce. They may have become widows because of divorce but we still need to love them. How are we gonna serve them? So I wanna say today to the single mother on Mother's Day who is struggling and working and worrying and providing, we see you and we care about you. And God sees you today and he wants you to know, just like Hagar, he has not forgotten you. He is the God who sees. He sees your sacrifice and your service and he's helping you. He is your helper. He's not gonna forsake you. What about mothers who have special needs children or children with chronic illness? Our biblical example is Jairus, I can't say it, Jairus. Had to go on YouTube and work on my pronunciation. Jairus' daughter, she was 12 years old and her story is in Mark chapter five. Beginning with verse 22, it says, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. This was a desperate man. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Can you see the desperation born out of love for this daughter? And Jesus came. And Jesus healed her and we know that God is a healer and we know his desire is to heal but sometimes our vision is out of sync with reality sometimes the healing does not come and we don't know why sometimes it comes later than we wanted it to there's nothing like having a child who's sick If you'll do the next slide, yes. This is my friend Sarah, and behind her is her son Silas, and he has a rare genetic disorder. And these are her thoughts on Mother's Day. She says, being the mom of a special needs child on Mother's Day can look a little different. It can feel a little different, too. On one hand, you're reminded of your child and all they could, should, or would be doing. But on the other hand, you're so very thankful to God for every moment, every smile, every hug, every eye twinkle. Some special needs moms never hear their children say, I love you. Let that sink in for just a minute. Never hearing your child say, I love you. There's a grief there because that's a loss. They never get Mother's Day cards filled with drawings but they know they are loved. It's an everyday journey of faith, trusting that God knows far better than we do and that he will see us through. But sometimes we say it with tear-stained, dark-eyed faces and afraid, lonely hearts. That's the journey of a mother with special needs. Jim, if you'll do the next picture, This is my son, Gregory, when he was about three and a half. And at that point, he was diagnosed with autism. And that's when we began our own journey of special needs and having a child with a disability. And I will say, just like Sarah, it's hard. It's a hard road. And he also struggled with a chronic illness. The thoughts that would keep me awake at night were about this child. They were about him, a lot of fear and anxiety and worry, and also some sadness. Do the next slide, please, Jim. This is Gregory and Hannah at a camp called Victory Junction Gang Camp, which is near High Point Greensboro area, and it is a camp just for children with chronic illness and special needs. And I can't tell you the first time we drove onto that beautiful campus. It's spotter, sponsored by the Petty family and all the NASCAR drivers um, donate money. And it's like a theme park. I mean, it's, th- it's just amazing. But the first time we drove on that campus, I just cried because I thought somebody cares about the families of children with illness and special needs. It was the first time I really felt like somebody cares About the grief and the pain that we're walking through and every time after that we did family weekends they had siblings weeks Hannah got to go for three years Gregory went for four years it was a place of hope and healing so to the mothers who have a child with a chronic illness and a disability I want you to know that today we see you we see your struggle we see the loss and disappointment, the difference between what you envisioned and your reality. And we want you to know that God cares and that he's with you and continue to hope in him and walk with him. He'll give you wisdom every step of the way. And he is a healer. Don't lose hope and continue to pray. But we see you. We know today is hard Jesus went to heal Jairus' daughter, he cares. What about women who want to be mothers? I mean, it's the natural thing. You saw me with Pearl, that was my dream. Our biblical example is in 1 Samuel 1, and the example I have today is Hannah. And I'm gonna skip through a couple verses. What I want you to see is the emotions of how Hannah felt. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 2, it describes the situation. The husband was Elkanah, and it says he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse 5 said the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 6 says her rival, which was Peninnah, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. So they went to the tabernacle in Shiloh, and in verse 10, it says, she greatly distressed. This woman was greatly distressed because of the desire to have a child. She prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And this was when Eli, the priest, saw that her lips were moving, and he thought that she was drunk. And she describes, my, she describes herself in verses 15 and 16. I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. This was a broken woman, because the thing that God had created her to do was difficult. You know, I talk about Pearl and I did promise Pearl to my niece this weekend. She's gonna be passed down because my niece grew up playing with Pearl too. Psalm 127.3 says, "'Children are a gift from the Lord. "'They are a reward from him.'" So it begs the question, if children are a gift from the Lord and a reward, why are there godly women with no children? Why does that happen? And what we end up saying to them is we just offer a platitude. We say, well, you can be a spiritual mother. Or maybe we say, well, you can adopt. But the woman has questions. Next slide, please, Jim. Uh, Back one. Uh, Back two. It's the trees. Yes. There we go. This is my friend, Laurie. And she's the one that helped lead me to the Lord at NC State back in 1991. And I'm just going to read to you what she sent me. She says, I have to submit my desires to the Lord. I struggle with never being married and never having a chance to have children. And she wonders, these are her thoughts, what is so wrong with me? Did I commit so much sin that the Lord just didn't think I was worthy of the blessing of a family? He knows best but is it because I would have failed as a mom? So he didn't allow it, allow it. She says, these are bad thoughts, but they're real. People in God's word talk about the blessings of being a mom. So why didn't it happen for me? I missed out. She says she feels forgotten, unworthy of blessings, tainted. She says in some ways society puts a label on you, childless. Children less. That's hard. But she says, instead of a huge pity party, I hope I've used my time of singleness to serve others. It doesn't take away the pain and the emptiness completely, but seeing a smile and getting a letter from an orphan and other children that you have spent time with in ministry is amazing, and the Lord is praised. And she says, several people have become my spiritual children and the love of God has allowed me to love many well. And I've seen this in her life with my own eyes. Some parents have allowed me the joy of teaming together with them, allowing me as a single sister to help in teaching their child to love and follow Jesus. This gives my heart joy and love. So we wanna acknowledge it's painful. We see these godly women not having a pity party and serving others and being the best spiritual mothers they can be. But we don't want to overlook the pain. We want to say to the women who long to be mothers, and it's either taking a long time or your past childbearing age, we just want to say we see you. We care about you. We acknowledge your pain. We see it and we pray God would continue to use you as a vessel to love others well. God sees you. Pastor Tom has already talked about Naomi in the book of Ruth. After her children died in Ruth one, verse 20, Naomi said, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. She changed her name, just like we sang today. She did it in a different way. Mara meant bitterness, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Next slide, Jim. This is my friend, Erin Escobar, and she's there with her husband, Michael, and their beautiful daughter, Penelope but she didn't always have that daughter. There were many Mother's Days, Mother's Days, yes, that were hard for her. She says, Mother's Day was a hard day for me before I had children. I longed to be a mother for so many years. It took longer than I wanted. For some women, it takes a long time and it's hard to become a mother. She said, Four years ago, the day before Mother's Day, we got our first positive pregnancy test. That was a very special Mother's Day. But a few weeks later, she miscarried. She was devastated and a loss for words. I wanted this so much, and now our baby was gone. We celebrate that little life. He made me a mother. And during this time, because we don't know what to say to someone who's lost a mother, we might say, well, you can have other children, or this proves you can have children. We cover over the deep loss with words that don't help. So I want to say to the mothers who've miscarried, we see you. We know it's hard, and we're sorry for your pain. God has not forgotten you. Four years later, Erin says she has her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Penelope, who gets to call her mother. So there's celebration now, but there were years of heartache. Next slide, please, Jim. This is Sherry Lane. She used to be a part of this church for many years, and she is a personal friend of mine, and that is her with her son, Tommy. Tommy's a twin with Mitchell And he would have been 27 this week. But he died tragically in a moped accident about four years ago. And for me, I was a friend, I'm a friend with Sherry on Facebook, and I would see how she posted that the death of a child changed her, that she was not the same person. And I reached out to her and I said, Hey, I don't know what to say. And I will probably say the wrong things. But if you need someone just to listen, I'm here. And we began having lunch together, having coffee. And I couldn't fix the pain, but I could sit as a sister and just listen to her. She says, this will be my fourth Mother's Day since my son Tommy's death. Every year is different but every year is painful. I'm conflicted because I have a son who is still alive on this earth and he will call me and wish me a happy Mother's Day. But there's the void of not hearing the voice of my son who has gone ahead to heaven. It screams to my broken heart. I will never hear his voice again, see his face, or hug his neck on this side of heaven. She says, if you think of me, and other mothers who have lost a child. Pray for me and for them. Pray that we finish strong. Pray that we persevere and that we continue to cling to the one who can carry us through the rest of our days with hope and courage. She acknowledges that she's been changed, but she asks us to pray for her that she can persevere. There's... I don't believe there's anything worse than a child who dies before their parent. I know people who have lost children through accidents, illness, suicide, miscarriage, violence. Even women who've lost their children through abortion. I I watched the movie Unplanned last night. I hadn't seen that before. It's free on Amazon Prime. And it's the story of a woman who was the director of a Planned Parenthood clinic and how God changed her heart about abortion. And now she works to save the lives of babies. But there are women who chose to abort their children. Today, they're grieving. Women who have lost children from overdose and fathers. I wanna acknowledge mothers and fathers. Sometimes women choose to give their children up for adoption. So, I want to say to these women and men who have lost, I want to say we see you. As we celebrate mothers and motherhood, I want to acknowledge it might not be a day of celebration for you. And I want you to know that God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who, (laughs) there I go. (laughs) He saves those who are crushed in spirit. There, there we go. There's, there it is. Sometimes my brain gets locked up when I try to quote a verse. He is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. So we want to acknowledge on this day, some of you are struggling. We just want to get it out in the open and say, we see you. We hear you. We've heard you. We know you're there. We care about your struggle The Lord is near, it's Psalm 34, 18. He's near, he saves. Next slide please, Jim. And the hope that we have, Revelation 21 verse four, and this is talking about God, it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, The first things have passed away. There will come a day when the pain that you feel from your motherhood journey, your loss of a child, never being able to have a child, not having a father, there will be a day when you won't feel that loss anymore where all things will be made new, where God will completely heal your heart. And he is a healer. In this journey of life, as we walk through motherhood, he does heal our hearts, but there will be a day when the pain will be completely gone. That is promised in the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. He he defeated death on the cross. There is hope of a day that we will be reunited with him and that he will wipe away all the pain." So I want to transition because as you look at motherhood, there's the experience of women who are mothers that's also relatable to fathers of children, but we all have a mother. We all, if if you're human, you have a mother. She may be living or passed away. There are all kinds of relationships that we have with our mothers. Jim, if you'll put the next slide up. This is my mom and me. It's funny. We had on the same sweater, the same brand, probably close to the same size, bought at the same store, but we didn't buy it together. We're that alike. We um, have the same preferences in clothing and in garden art, and we're very alike. We have a great relationship. The great relationship began after I got saved because before that I was a hellion and um, I was not very nice. But after I got saved, God brought me around. But you know, when you have two people, there's friction sometimes. There have been years where the relationship was hard and we had to work at it. So it's not always been easy. For some of us, we have great relationship with our mothers. For some of us, our mothers are alive for my husband, his mother has passed. Some of us have good relationships. Some are estranged. Some of us have been able to forgive our mothers, and some of us haven't. If you think about it in the Bible, there's the story of Jacob and Esau in Genesis 27. And Esau and Jacob were the children of Isaac and Rebekah. Esau was the older son. He was daddy's favorite. But Jacob, the younger son, was mommy's favorite. And in the end, mommy helped Jacob deceive the father to get the blessing and the birthright. Imagine if you were a twin, and your mother helped deceive your father so that your twin would get the blessing. How would you feel? There's probably some rejection there, some insecurity, some anger. Next slide, please. This is my friend, Pat Bradford. And I reached out to her because she was also one who told me Mother's Day is hard because she didn't have the best mother. She said, if I had one divine do-over, I would take the opportunity to go back and try to have a loving relationship with my mother, to forgive her sooner, to tell her before she died. For decades, I had a hard time on Mother's Day. She says, the womb was not a safe place for me. My mother wanted and really tried to have an abortion. In my state, in 1953, you needed three doctors to agree to have an abortion. She could only get two. She said both of her parents were functioning alcoholics, and as a child, there was abuse and zero love. But we were always in church on Sunday, And when the Proverbs 31 woman was extolled from the pulpit, I would cringe and slump in the pew. As I talk with women, especially about their mothers, some mothers aren't very good. But I try to look with the perspective of compassion, because if you've got a broken mother who's addicted, She's just as lost as the next person. She needs Jesus more than she needs anything. So I can have compassion on the broken mothers. They're just trying to heal their hurts in the wrong ways. Pat says, thankfully, forgiveness came to me for her. And that year I bought a huge vase of flowers for the altar in her her honor. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to say in the in the Ten Commandments, it says to honor your father and mother. And I believe you can honor your mother today, no matter what type of relationship with her, you have with her. You can bless her. You can speak words of blessing over her. No matter what kind of relationship you have, you can honor your mother, however God shows you to do that. Pat said... Today on Mother's Day, I'm grateful for the godly women in my life, and she mentions her daughter-in-law, Erica, and she mentions me, those who love their children more than life. So not everyone gets a good mother. Some mothers are addicted. Some mothers are just human, like me, controlling, angry, struggling struggling with migraines, struggling in other ways. You know, we're just, some days we're just doing good to get out the door. So for the woman and man who didn't have the be- who didn't have a Proverbs 31 woman as a mother and who may still be carrying the scars of a traumatic childhood today, I want you to know God sees you and God cares about you as well. You are not rejected. You are chosen. He chose you from the foundation of the earth and he loves you. You are seen today. You are seen. And God, I just pray healing for those mothers who, who allowed traumatic, re- traumatic experiences for their children. And sometimes we're estranged from mothers. This is hard, isn't it? It's hard to talk about. But as you are around people today, as we begin to be in church again, as you talk to your neighbors, these are the people that surround you. This is who we are. Until Jesus comes, we live in an imperfect world, and we struggle with the difference between our vision and our realities. One young lady that goes to this church gave me this anonymous. You can take the picture of Pat off. Anonymous submission. She says, She's estranged from her mother, and I've walked with her. I've seen her try to walk this out in a godly way, so it's not like she's just angry. She says, in a nutshell, it's hard every day. On Mother's Day, I pray just as I do every day, but the world makes me struggle with it due to it having a special day to show honor to someone that is hard to honor. It took me a while to truly understand what God says love is in 1 Corinthians 13. She's still learning daily. I do not hurt, struggle, or feel angry with her. In fact, I love her so much. And the hurt I feel is for her. God does, has, and does keep me strong, and he fills that void. So there are women and men who are estranged from their mothers, And there's a couple books. I know one that I loaned her. I couldn't find it today, but it's um, Keep Your Love On by Pastor Danny Silk. It helps you navigate broken relationships. And sometimes they're, you know, if you have a narcissist mother, other things going on, it's really hard. And this is a book that I've used called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. And in times where I've had broken relationships with people, this is... It's just giving you a blueprint of how to work through conflict in a godly way, in a way that loves and forgives. So I want to say to the people who have hard relationships, tough relationships with their mothers, we see you. Lastly, I want to mention women who have lost their mother, and especially this year. Um, If you'll put up the picture of Jan, Ricky and her mother. There we go. Jan says, this will be my first Mother's Day without my mom. I miss her every day, but I think by keeping a thankful heart in mind, it helps me keep my peace and joy. I remind myself what I have to be thankful for every day. She says, I'm also doing positive things to honor and remember her, like planting a flowering plant for Mother's Day, a donation to hospice, adding her name to the dove tree at the Festival of Trees. She says, I'm also the mom of four kids and a grandma to nine. So I will focus on this on Mother's Day. So for those of you that have lost your mother, we want you to know we see you and we care about you. And we pray that God would comfort you in your grief. And he sends the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to help us, to sustain us. I do have good news. (laughs) I want to give you some great, positive Proverbs 31 examples of motherhood. If you'll put up the slide of Heather Arnold and her family. This is my friend Heather. Excuse me. She has three biological children and eight adopted children. She is an amazing mother. But she has many children that are teenagers at the same time. And that's, it's tough to have one teenager. It's a lot different to have, you know, eight going through puberty and (laughs) becoming adults. She She says, as her kids are older, Mother's Day is a reminder to me to stay anchored in faith and in hope. With six kids in high school and some out of high school and some younger, there are a lot of feelings, emotions in the house. But feelings are temporary emotions and they go up and they go down faster than I can keep up with them. She says, it's important for me to stay anchored in hope and faith so that I don't get tossed around by their feelings and end up in exhaustion. This woman is a great example of motherhood and one who has extended the tent pegs of her home to bring in orphans from around the world. A great example of spiritual motherhood, you can take the slide down now, Jim, is my friend Arlene Casola, who's been a spiritual mother to me. She says, a spiritual mother first prays and then listens to the Holy Spirit who knows her spiritual daughter better than she does and will give insight into what her gifts and natural talents are. She's a mom who doesn't want her to be just herself, but wants her to be what God has called her and made her to be. It's funny because I didn't read this one. (laughs) So as I read it now, she's speaking to me. This is what Arlene has done for me. I couldn't be standing on this stage without this woman who has guided me through my life, um, just my walk with Jesus and my journey to speak. Arlene says, encourage her in all these things and to stay strong, stressing that as God allows her to minister in her calling, that she should never neglect her close personal relationship with the Lord. Encourage her to be herself and to allow the Word and the Spirit to lead and guide her, and to wait on the Lord to open doors for her gifts. Arlene has been a spiritual mother to many in this house, and I wanna encourage you that that is something you could do as well. Okay, last, well, it should be last slide, maybe. It's my family. Oh, go back one. There we go. This is an updated family. I want to tell you, I've told you some of my failures. I didn't, I didn't have the freedom to say my worst failure today as a mother. There was a really bad one. There are some things I did well. One of the things I learned how to do well was how to apologize. And I learned that through this book called The Peacemaker. Because when you're a mother, you're going to make mistakes, but you can go and apologize. So, for example, with my daughter Hannah, I could say, I am sorry that I chewed you out and made you cry because you spilled cherries in the snow, in the carpet. But the thing is, when when we apologize, we put a but. We don't take responsibility for our failures. I should say, I'm sorry that I chewed you out. I was wrong. You can't put a but in an apology. That's not a true apology. So one thing I've done well, I know when I mess up, And when I'm obedient to God, I apologize. God's showing me some things right now I need to apologize for. Another thing I did well was my children knew where to find me at 7 a.m. And it was usually study my Bible. I have modeled that, not perfectly, but I have modeled it for my children. And every day now, my son in the morning, he's 23 almost, he reads his Bible. He reads his Bible more consistently than I do. I modeled that for my children. The other thing I didn't pass on was racism. I grew up in the South in a time when we said words that aren't appropriate to say today. They weren't appropriate to say then, but in our culture, that's what we said. We thought things about people of other races, and I can't rid my mind of all the thoughts that were ingrained in me but I did not pass them on to my children. I did not teach racism to my children. In our schoolroom, we proudly had a picture of Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and Martin Luther King. I modeled love for everyone, and I told my children, you can marry someone of whatever race you choose as long as they love Jesus. So there were some things I did well. Yes, I threw oranges. Yes, I made them cry. (laughs) So, put up the picture of Greg, please. And I want to just give you some encouragement. You know, my son is 23. He's working on his master's in data science. He drives, he's actually serving at a church today. And this is one of the cards he gave me. I got a hug today for Mother's Day. We've been negotiating for weeks that I might get one today because he doesn't like to hug. Maybe the last one was Christmas but we've been negotiating and I did get a hug today, but this was a mother's day card to a mom who understands, it's hard to read his writing, how much that, that how much I love her is expressed through actions and not words. I don't really hear I love you, but I see it in his actions. So to all the mothers out there today, those who are celebrating today, those who are grieving, to those who it's a joyous day, to those who are with their families, to those who are FaceTiming, Skyping, however you're connecting with your families today, I just wanna tell you, we see you and we honor you. Whatever your journey is in motherhood, as a mother or in relationship to your mother, I wanna honor you today because you're being faithful and you're being strong and you're keeping your love on and you're forgiving and you're persevering. I want you to know we see you. God saw you. This was, this is a hard message for me to give, but God wanted you to know that he sees you. And if I missed whatever situation you are in that you find yourself in, God loves you. You may be that mother who's addicted, who's struggling to love and care for, her, for your children. You may be the one who aborted a child. I just want to say there is hope and forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. There is not one person on this planet who is without hope because Jesus Christ changes lives. And if you will surrender your life to him, he will change you. You may need more help but he will help you, so do not give up hope. And just remember, you can go to your children. Even today, if you were a great mother, but God reminds you of something, an area where you failed, you can go and say, I'm sorry. And God can bring reconciliation because God created us to be in a tight bond with our mothers. Okay, because it's Mother's Day, I'm going to give you two verses, maybe three, from Proverbs 31. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also. And he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charges, excuse me, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And that is the type of women we want to be. We will never be perfect mothers. We will never be perfect daughters, but we can set our hearts to fear the Lord. So, Father God, I thank you for this time together today. I thank you for the examples in your word of how you care for women and mothers in all situations. God, you care. You offer hope. You offer healing. You comfort. You are near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed. In spirit. Those are the ones you are drawing near today. And yes, God, you honor and you celebrate mothers. But God, today you also draw near to those who are struggling. I pray that they would feel your comfort right now, that the power of the Holy Spirit would heal every broken area in their heart. God, that you would stitch up all the broken and cracked places. God, that you would mend Their hearts, God. I know you can do it because you've done it for me, God. Would you mend relationships? Would you heal grief, God? Would you comfort? Would you restore? And would you strengthen these women and mothers and fathers listening today? Holy Spirit, you are the power that raised Jesus from the dead, and there is nothing impossible for you. So I ask today that you would heal in the name of Jesus. Heal the broken places. Heal the places of grief and loss and disappointment and impart hope and peace and health. In Jesus' name.